this morning as we come before God feeling the dryness, feeling the emptiness. May he fill us with his spirit, with the life that comes from the death of his son, so that nothing else would have the glory except for him alone. Amen. Howdy. So I had a chance to go to D.C. this week. I know, right? It was kind of interesting. I wanted to see all the crazy people for myself. Um, I never got to go when I was a kid, and I always wanted to be able to get a chance to see it, and I just found it fascinating. I did, like, the, the, the touristy stuff, and I made sure I went and saw all the different places and, uh, you know, the National Monument and be able to see the, the Lincoln Memorial and uh, be able to go up and down and see where the Capitol and everything else is, and they found out I was coming, so they didn't let me into the White House. Um, but with it, though, is, is we had a chance to wander around uh, with, uh, with a tour group for that first day. And uh, basically, we're sitting there, and I was sitting behind this couple, and they had this, uh, this little girl. And she was just bouncing and, and having all sorts of fun and everything. And then all of a sudden, she sees me, and she just stops and stares. And her parents cannot get her to stop just staring at me like, like this, like, what in the world is this weirdo doing here in our presence? And so, of course, we became friends because, you know, you, you got to figure out who this strange person is uh, behind you. And it also gave proof that it does, there is no age limit uh, to which women think that I'm a weirdo. So... But with that, though, had an awesome time, ended up going to the Museum of Natural History and, and Museum of American History and uh, even to the zoo. And honestly, I, I was just trying to get away for a bit because sometimes you got to have a chance to step away from your life, you know, feel a little inspired, kind of take a fresh look at things. But what stood out to me was all those skeletons and the fossils that were there in the museum. And, you know, I'd seen Night at the Museum. I mean, Ben Stiller and everything else. Uh, fortunately, none of them actually came to life. I, I don't know where that weird uh, plaque was, but it was not there. But the thing about it is that in the movie is that it's so scary to see these things come to life at first. And that image about what it is if something just comes back to life is where I want to take us when we look at Ezekiel and the zombies. So, yes, I, I, do want, I do want to go there. Why zombies? Why is Pastor Jason saying Ezekiel and the zombies? Because I want to show you there's a distinction between resurrection and reanimation. There's a difference between them. A zombie is animated. It moves around, you know, brains and everything else. And, and it's moving, but it's not alive, okay? This is not the original person. Why is it that they scare us so much? I mean, I typically don't invite them over for dinner. I mean, you know, living alone is a little strange at times, but uh, I, I draw a line somewhere. Um, I even let Luke in there, so I don't know where my line is, though. Um, but with it is that zombies scare us because they're so unnatural. These were not the people they originally were meant to be. Moving around, this is not what they are meant for. And this idea of seeing something that is not natural is what we see when Judah is in exile. The prophet Ezekiel, he was speaking at the time whenever Judah was being finally taken over into Babylon. 
all these times, people are going through so much suffering. Their king had seen all of his sons killed in front of his eyes and then had his vision taken from him. The people themselves had lost their identity. They were broken. Ezekiel was 30 years old and was supposed to be coming into his own in his own land, and he couldn't do that. At this time of brokenness, of spirit, and a brokenness of hope, God was speaking to Ezekiel. And let's be honest, sometimes we in the church, we also sometimes feel that way, especially the last few decades. We, we wonder what is supposed to be happening in the church. What is the future of God's ministry through his people? We get really discouraged at times. We can oftentimes feel like we've lost hope, feel like we are dry, feel like there is nothing ahead of us, and we can see only heartache, and we wonder if things will always feel like they are dead. But the vision of the dry bones, the vision of the dry bones is not supposed to end at spiritual death. It is rather a way of showing where true life comes from. You see, this passage in Ezekiel 37 is supposed to connect us back to Genesis 2. Is that when God made the first human and brought together all the atoms of the dirt and everything else, but yet the person wasn't alive yet. What had to come was the ruach, the breath, the wind, the spirit of God. The only way that that first human being could be alive was only because God breathed into him. And the thing is, is that oftentimes we, as the church, we get caught up in ideas of how our efforts can somehow make everything better. We get so caught up in thinking that we're the ones who are going to fix everything by our ideas and by our efforts. It's sort of like this story about a man uh, whose wife had, said, had looked into the, the, the back orchard and saw this tree. It was this apple tree that was no longer bearing fruit, and it, it, it looked like it might be dead. And she said to him, I just wish someday that I could see apples on that tree again. And of course, what she is saying is, I really want the tree to be alive again and to bear fruit. But the well-meaning husband went to the store, bought several bushels of apples, took a bunch of string and went ahead and tied them all onto the branches and put all the apples there and everything and made sure and then went to his wife and said, Honey, look, there are apples on the tree. And joyfully she comes out and is so happy until she realizes and sees the string that the tree is still dead. This is one more reason why I have not done any horticulture in my backyard. But the thing with the apples is that oftentimes we're trying so hard to make sure that the tree looks alive on the outside that we're not asking if the tree is alive on the inside. See, we oftentimes are trying to make sure that we look active and powerful. We want to have the last word. We want to make points. We want to make sure that everybody else knows their place. We will restrict 
all the craziness of the world and we're going to make things look exactly the way we want them to look. And we're not pausing to say what was truly happening that led to these things in the first place. But that's the thing about the church. See, oftentimes we keep wondering why people would attack the church when we're just trying to do what's good and right in the world. But you see, if we're trying to do so many efforts, not because God has moved us to them, but instead just because we think it's a good idea, we're not resurrected, we're reanimated. If we are moving forward with the things that we think are going to get victory, instead of asking what God is actually calling us toward, then we're the zombies. And what do you do when you see a zombie? You don't welcome it in. You try to kill it and get rid of it. And when people see the church moving by our ideas and our efforts, instead of embodying what Jesus has sent us to, what else do you think they're going to see us as but a zombie? That's how you respond to the zombie. Yes. But with this, though, is that the prophecy of Ezekiel already starts off with something amazing. You see, in the land of Babylon where they'd been taken, God appears to him. And that's strange to Ezekiel because in Ezekiel's mind, God is back in Judah. God is in Jerusalem. How could God be here in Babylon? But with that is that God is still faithful. God is still there to change our hearts that are hardened and dead and turn them into hearts of flesh, ones that beat, ones that love, ones that seek after God. So even though Jerusalem had fallen, there was still a future for Israel, a Davidic king that would come and transform the people, not just lead the people, transform the people. See, the Lord is there. Love, justice. God speaks. And life happens. You see, we spend a lot of our time focused on our own energies, our own solutions, our own ideas for how to force justice and mercy in the world. It, it, when I was at A&M, there was a, a, a speaker who was uh, uh, you know, preaching to you know, many, many students there and typically a, a very good speaker, does, did a great job. But what was interesting was then all of a sudden, at one point, you, you hear this, amen, from, from, from the congregation. And, and, and it was like, okay, that's cool. Um, and then a, a moment or two later, amen, again. And kept saying amen, amen to the stuff I was saying. It was, and, and the preacher stopped, and you realize that he was getting distracted and losing track of where he was. His message was so well-practiced that anything and everything that stopped him was making it harder for him to do what he saw as his job. But what was his response? He told the man to quiet down because that wasn't what they were trying to do there. I don't think he ever came back. Interestingly enough was that um, he was a man who had been uh, blind since birth. I am not joking. This is real. 
and uh, I ended up talking to him later and realized how much life there was inside of this man. You see, we oftentimes are trying so hard to make sure that we're on a crusade to do what we feel is the best, to get these efforts forward, to move forward with our energy that we don't stop to ask what's actually moving us. Is the Spirit of God actually what is moving us forward? But you see, that brings us to Lazarus. See, Jesus didn't just sit back and hold off on coming to Lazarus because, oh, well, you know, I really just want to see him dead. He's not twiddling his thumbs. He's not just waiting it out. What's Jesus doing? He is preaching. He is speaking. He's helping people. He's moving through. He's bringing hope. He is exactly where God has called him to be. He doesn't look at the people and say, I'm here to bring you hope, but I need you to hold on because i got to go do something miraculous here. All right? I need some accolades, okay? I need to make sure I get, I'll, I'll be back, I swear. I'll be back and I'll you know, take care of this whole bringing you hope and forgiveness thing. Is instead was that his heart was beating for what God had called him to. So when he comes and Martha and Mary are so upset, Martha wants to come and give him a piece of her mind and Mary just can't even look at him. If this had been different, if only this had been different, if only that had been different, if only, if only, if only. And yet, where would the church be today if every intention we've ever had came to fruition if everything that we as claiming to be the people of God all the things that we have said this is the best thing to do if every single one of them had actually moved forward how many of them would ruined what God was doing see that's the thing about this we try to reason out what we think is going to make the most sense out of everything and we completely miss that Jesus has come to bring Lazarus from the tomb. You see, I, I always found it interesting that Jesus stands outside and says, Lazarus, come out. He, he doesn't go over there and like, okay, let's push these over. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to pat him on the head, okay? Uh, you know, maybe like, like hold his hand while I bring him back to life, wake him up. How terrifying was this for the people? How terrifying. And only Jesus bringing that life and showing that life is the only thing that can show the people that it is nothing to be afraid of, but rather to bring joy and hope. And maybe we pause sometimes. Because we are so hardened that we oftentimes miss out on what God is doing, what life God is bringing, what efforts God is doing that are not about how great we've been. I mean, there are plenty of times where it's like, I can certainly come up and I can say, man, I really wish this were better, I really wish that were better, and yet at the end of the day, did we get across what God has done than having the hope that he will be the one to change hearts and minds? 
but how many times do we, either out of jealousy for what someone else has gotten that we don't, or out of anger that someone who disagreed with us could possibly get a hearing when we don't, or just wondering why it is that we can't just be given a chance, if only someone would just say yes to whatever we're trying to do and just let it happen, instead of pausing to ask, what is God doing by his spirit? And just pausing long enough to ask, is what his spirit doing happening around me rather than through me? Which is a sad thing, especially for Caiaphas. To have had a vision from God, to know that the death of Jesus is going to bring the life of the world. But his heart was so hardened that instead of seeing the sacrifice, he treats him as a martyr. He is so caught up in what he thinks they need to do that all he can see is, now let's go murder that guy and get him out of our hair. Do we do that? Do we sometimes get so caught up in what we think is going to somehow fix everything that we don't pause to ask what God is already doing? You see, this morning, we, we are looking forward to a lot of great things that we have going on. I was, I'm, I'm still super excited to see everything uh, that Pastor Tyler is showing us for the next three years. And these are really good things that we need to make sure that we focus on and that we think about as we move forward. But the actions themselves are not the place where we find our life. They're the fruit. They're the outcome. Is that if we, as Christ Memorial, if we are not spending the time with God and saying, God, what are you seeking to do? If we do not pause in our stubbornness and let him, if we don't let him just do what he's doing in our hearts, none of that will matter. And we could double or triple in size, and guess what? We would completely miss the point. Spending time on all these things without the Spirit of God is lifeless and wrong. Trying to make sure that we've got all the rules and all the laws around us and appearing to be better than others or than what we used to be for its own sake is lifeless and wrong. Looking for the appearance of life without actually being broken so that God can give us life is lifeless and wrong. So my question to you today, have you been refreshed? Are you feeling exhausted? You're feeling tired? You're feeling hopeless? And yet, I'm not asking you to come up with a new program or, you know, try harder, work harder. I'm not asking you to pretend to be something that looks good on the outside. What I'm saying is, have you been refreshed by God's Spirit today? Have you heard him? And if you haven't, what could that be? Because if we are not able to hear that God is doing things in and around us, then what does that say about our hearts? So this morning, 
I'm not Ezekiel, but I'm going to do my best. You are not done. You are not stuck. You are not finished. You're not forgotten. The things that you have broken with your own hands will not forever stay broken. It is not on your shoulders, and it never was. You are loved. You are forgiven. And God's Spirit, right here, right now, because of what Jesus has done, is yours. What can God do through you? The sky's the limit. So I ask today, what is God speaking to your heart? Let him be the one that moves it and makes it beat today and always. In Christ Jesus, amen.